0: Peace of mind.
1: Hello, red-blooded Americans. This is Skip Coriel from the Home Defense Show speaking to you from deep inside a great big empty. What exactly do I mean by that? Well, for the past uh, three, four months, I've been broadcasting from my mobile defense command post, which is my Honda Odyssey. But it's warmed up enough here that I can get back inside my garage into my studio so here I am, it might sound a little hollow, uh, maybe a bit of an echo, but that's okay. I've had a great week, very busy week, but a great week. What have I been doing? Oh man, all kinds of stuff. i uh, been filling in for uh, Denny Gillum, uh, Colonel Denny Gillum at Frontlines of Freedom, helping him out because he was off on surgery, uh, sick leave. I guess you'd call it, from Frontlines of Freedom Radio, so I've been helping out the team over there quite a bit. That took up a lot of my time. Been teaching concealed carry classes, lots of fun stuff coming up with the advent of spring. Oh, spring is starting to come. 50 degrees out there right now, and I am excited about that. I burnt off a hillside, a controlled burn. I stopped it right before I got to my garage, which I thought was a pretty good idea. So I smell like leaf and grass smoke, but that's okay. But I also smell like sulfur, if you can figure that one out. I love the smell of gopher gas in the morning. I started out the winter. Back in November, I had 16 chickens. Fourteen hens and two roosters. And quite frankly, that was twice the number of roosters that I needed. But now I'm down to four hens and one rooster. It finally occurred to me, I need to put my trail camera out there in front of the chicken coop and find out what is, what is happening to my chickens. And boy, night before last, I had about 49 videos of possums going in and out of my chicken coop. And boy, these suckers were were huge. They were like, uh, you know, nuclear radiation mutated possums. They were big. So I thought, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get these guys. So I went ahead and I uh, staked it out last night. I was on stand from like 8 p.m. to about 11:30 p.m froze my butt off, but I did not see a single possum the whole time I was out there. You know, I I was asking around, people said, oh, yeah, possum, they're really stupid. You don't have to play the wind, you, you know, just sit there and wait for them to come up and shine a light on them, they'll roll over, play dead, and then you shoot them. Well, apparently, I have a special breed of possum. They know when I'm there. So, today I thought, you know what? Let's try something different. So, I went ahead and I got about uh, 14 or so gopher gas bombs from the local hardware store. And I found all of the burrows that they have on the side of the hill there. The opossum apparently will not dig its own burrow. But two years ago, I gassed out about a dozen groundhogs and they opened up all those burrows so i noticed that there were every place there was a hole i just dropped in a a gopher gas bomb and buried it back up and then last night when i reviewed the videotape i only had one possum left at least one that went you know into my coop so I went out and found a few more holes, uh, burrows, that I hadn't gotten before, so I gassed them. And then I'll run the trail cam again tonight just to see what's left out there. I, I did see a fox last night when I was out on stand, but he saw me first. Fox are pretty, uh, pretty stealthy. But I found that burrow, and I think I got rid of those too. How did I do it? Well, I just reasoned with him. I just talked to him. Uh, I'm very charismatic that way, and I persuaded him to move to a a different location. What else is going on with me? Oh, tonight I am speaking at an emergency preparedness seminar or forum. Myself and another author will be speaking. I will be talking about home security during the great apocalypse and also about the different types of apocalypse, uh, you know, nuclear war, uh, pandemic, economic collapse, EMP attack, you name it, all the fun stuff. I'll be talking about that and teaching people how to prepare. I'll uh, report on that next week, but I'll also I'll have my books there and I'll be signing books and things like that. So that'll be fun. I'll probably meet some very interesting people. Okay, what are we going to do now? Let's do our usual and let's go to. Let's start out at Drudge and then see what happens here. Ah, oh, here's one. Oh, gosh. Chicago teen apparently gang raped on Facebook Live. That's disgusting. A 15-year-old Chicago girl was apparently sexually assaulted by five or six men or boys. You can't tell. Men or boys. Probably boy men. Any man that would rape a 15-year-old girl is not a man. And none of the roughly 40 people who watched the live video reported the attack to the police. That's because they're stinking perverts. That's why they were watching. My God. You know, people like that. I think we should just kill him. I, I really do. Rape a, gang, rape a fourteen-year-old girl, and then flaunt it to the world. That is the height of sickness. You know, it should be the the death penalty for people like that. And and if that offends your delicate sensibilities, then there's something wrong with you. Police only learned of the attack when the girl's mother approached police superintendent Eddie Johnson late Monday afternoon. And then he put some detectives on that. Ah, good news. They recovered the girl, and she's reunited with her parents now. Boy. This is the second time in months that the department has investigated an apparent attack that was streamed live on Facebook. In January, four people were arrested after a cell phone footage showed them allegedly taunting and beating a mentally disabled man. I remember that. And that is why I don't go to Chicago. Ah, man. That is so disgusting. Ah, let's find something happy here. BearingArms.com. Knife-wielding suspect learns armed people are a lot harder to attack. (laughs) I have a feeling this was going to end well. A Bellingham, Washington officer was barely out of his vehicle when he was forced to bring down the suspect in a stabbing just a few minutes before at almost bad breath range. Whoa. The suspect in a stabbing who was fatally shot by a Bellingham police officer was identified Thursday as Manuel Gonzalez, age 28. I bet you a million bucks he's an illegal alien. Boy, if he is, we send him back. Police said that Gonzalez stabbed and wounded a 20-year-old man in the neck during an altercation in the hundred block of East Holly Street on Sunday, and then fled on foot. Ah, oh, boy! But that 20-year-old man wishes he could do it differently. You do not stand and fight someone with a knife. You take off running if you're 20 years old. Oh, man! Make him chase you down. You know what you do? Even an old man like me, I can survive a stabbing attack in a parking lot like that, you run to the nearest car, preferably not a Yugo, and you just run around the car. Make him chase you around the car. The, the big downside of a knife is it's close-quarters combat. It's a proximity-based weapon. He's He's got to be able to grab you and touch you before he can stab you to death. Make him chase you around that car all day long and while he's chasing you scream bloody murder you can even take out your cell phone and dial 911 while they're chasing you around that car you know it'd be better to get a uh, maybe a a suburban or something to give you a little more room for error but that's how that's how i'd handle that especially in a parking lot not a problem all right oh there's a Police said that Officer Jeremiah Leland came to the scene and ordered Gonzalez to drop his knife. Actually, I watched the video. He, he, told, him, he dro- told him to drop his knife three times, and this idiot just kept advancing fast. Um, police said Gonzalez failed to drop the knife and advanced toward Leland, prompting Leland to shoot him. Um, I, I counted five gunshots. Uh, Gonzalez was pronounced dead at the scene. I, man, he uh, he bled to death from a gunshot wound to the neck. He went down and he went down hard. So that was a happy ending, really good news there. Bad guy died, the victim lived. Cop, he'll he'll work through it. That's what therapy's for. And he's a hero in my in my mind. What else we got? Oh, Sweden preparing nuclear fallout bunkers across the country amid fear of Russian war. You know, well, I got to tell you, I, I'm in fear of Russian war, too. Russian war, Chinese war, North Korean war, you know, Iranian war. The Bible says there will always be, there'll be wars and rumors of wars in the last times, in the end times, I tell you. Man, we got plenty of rumors of wars right now and plenty of wars. Sweden, they're typically they're they're a pacifist country. The Swedish Civil Contingencies Agency has reportedly been ordered to carry out a review this year of bunkers the coming weeks as the Scandinavian country also reintroduces military service. Sweden is introducing the draft. Wow, I didn't even know they knew how to fight in Sweden. That thought they were like related to the French or something. A system of 65,000 bunkers was established in the Cold War to protect the population from, a nucle- from nuclear war with the Soviet Union. So, so basically, uh, they're all going to go underground, you know, like, like my possums have, have done. Wow. But with fears growing over threat posed by Vladimir Putin and his resurgent Russia, they are being reviewed to make sure they are ready. Well, yeah, I get those. That's a good idea. You know, America does not have much of a civil defense system. I mean, hardly hardly anything, really. Uh, if you want a bunker, you got to build your own. You know, if I had more money, I'd be building my own bunker right now. I wish I did. Man, I could build a really nice underground bunker. I'd put in all kinds of stuff. I'd put in a shooting range, indoor shooting range. Wouldn't that be great? Swimming pool tennis courts oh man Uh, a big theater i'd stock it to the hilt you know they're, they're building those things now you know giant multi-million dollar underground complexes for rich people why is it the rich people get all the breaks we'll see what happens all right folks well that's about all the time we have here uh the next segment coming up we're going to be speaking with jeff pizzino From Global Gun Safety about saving children's lives and families' futures. He has a a new product that will enhance children's gun safety. All right, folks, stay tuned. We will be right back with more on The Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel.
2: Welcome to The Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. This is Skip's wife, Sarah. Stay tuned for more as we discuss new ways to protect ourselves and our families.
3: Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today.
4: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
5: Okay, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Coriel. We're going to spend the next 14 minutes or so, we're going to be speaking with a man named Gary Witt from Global Gun Safety, LLC. Gary, welcome to the Home Defense Show.
4: Thank you, Skip. I'm really honored to be here. Gary,
5: I've been looking at your website here. This is quite a website you have that's professionally done. You've got some videos here that look really good. Uh, I am particularly interested in this because I, I have seven children myself, three of them still young enough you know, to do some damage with firearms. I have a 5-year-old girl, a 7-year-old boy, and then an 11-year-old boy as well. So this one interests me, and if I I like this, I'll definitely be buying uh, several of these myself. So I'd like my listeners to get the benefit of this interview as well. Uh, Gary, can you start out by telling us about your product, and then we'll go on and we'll, we'll just ask some more questions.
4: I'd be happy to, and, uh, again, I'm really pleased to be able to, uh, to do this. Skip, let me start out by saying that this company, Global Gun Safety, is more of a cause than a product seller. Uh, everyone involved in this company is here for one reason, and that is to save children's lives. And we've structured the company in such a way that we're able to allow other people to uh, be able to work with us to help save kids' lives. What I've, what I've told everyone who works in this company is that I will promise you, two years from now, we'll be able to look back and say without any doubt whatsoever, there are children alive today. There are families that are whole today because of what you did. And the linchpin for this is really twofold, Skip. Number one is an idea. And that idea is really simple. Hidden guns do not work. Most children who shoot themselves or who shoot other people do it because they found a hidden gun. Hidden guns are nothing more than time bombs. Second pillar that this company rests on is our product, Child Safe One. Child Safe One is a unique product that basically uses the concept of a child-proof medicine cap idea, uh, but in a much more high-tech way, uh, in order to prevent children from being able to get the product off and to uh, release the uh, trigger block. It's not a lock. It's a trigger block. In doing so, when they pick it up, an alarm also goes off. Now, this alarm is a 95 dB alarm, uh, which is louder than your house smoke alarm. but and Skip, it's really funny. I wish I could show you and, the, and your, your listeners the video, because we videotaped over 100 kids uh, testing this. We've never found one kid that even came close to figuring out how this works. Uh, most of them are fooling around with the buttons on the other side. As soon as that alarm goes off, the first thing that every kid does is he looks really quick back over his shoulder, See if mom is coming. And he puts the gun down, and he runs like cat. No, mom, I, I wasn't touching that gun. The cat must have set it off or something. <laughs> so that's the that's the concept. It's it's like it's like belts and suspenders. You know, you can't get the the, the unit off because you can't figure out how it works. But all the while that you may be trying to fiddle with that, there's this uh, smoke alarm sound that's going off in your ear, scaring you if you're a kid. But even more importantly, that sound is going through the household so mom can hear it. Now, mom is coming running. it. That's why we think that this is a terrific product that's going to save a whole lot of kids' lives. Hmm, and Gary,
5: I don't think I've heard of a, another child safety product that does that. I mean, usually they'll just lock up the gun. Uh, from unauthorized use, but I mean there are some large gun safes that will do that after so many incorrect entries, yeah. but I don't think I've found uh-huh. anything like this.
4: No, we we haven't found anything like this too, and, and obviously we keep up with it. Uh, another real advantage of this, let me say this to everybody that's listening, no matter what you do, we support you. As long as you don't leave an unprotected gun laying around someplace, even if it's hidden, you know, it's still a time bomb. Do something. It doesn't matter what. But, you know, put it in a gun safe, put it in a desktop gun safe, whatever. But do something, because your child is in danger. The other real advantage we think for this product is that it is portable. If you have it, let's say in a, a little uh, a one gun safe on your by your bedside or something like that, that's great. As long as you're in the bedroom. But if right. somebody's breaking into your house and you're in the kitchen. And you, know, you can't say, hey, listen, could you wait a minute while I go get my gun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, so you can haul this thing around any place you want to, set it down. If you go away, you don't have to worry about it. You know, you go into the other room. You know, the, the kid's not going to get it off.
5: And I'm looking at it, Gary. I've got a picture of it right here in front of me on your website. You could put this on your gun. You could put it in the in your gun case, take it to the range. You could have it in your console, in your, your glove box. I mean, wherever, and it's like gun safe goes with you everywhere, but it's not this big, honking, heavy steel gun safe like so many of the others. I I would think that people would be more apt to lock up their gun just because it's so portable and it's so light and it's so easy.
4: Yes, I totally agree with you. And, you know, we see stories all the time of a woman, and, you know, there are a lot of women uh, who quite rightly carry a gun, They'll, they'll have it in their purse, and, you know, it'll be loaded because they need it to be loaded. You know, their toddler gets there, pulls the thing out, shoots themselves, shoots mommy through the back. There was one case where the, a, a woman and a toddler were at the grocery store. Mom wasn't looking. The toddler went into the, you know, well, she was in the, in the shopping cart, shot her mom.
5: This would allow women to carry in their purse, which can be an unsafe option, but with something like this, it would not be unsafe at all. It would be very safe.
4: We all want children to be safe. In any family, that has to be the number one priority. There are kids. A man or a woman has to be able to protect themselves and their family against intruders or any other kind of emergency that might require a gun. Now, if you have a hidden gun... Let's just imagine this, because, you know, a lot of home break-ins happen at night. You hear noise. You lay there for a couple of seconds and think, well, what is that? You finally decide, well, I better get up and get my gun. So you get up out of bed. You don't turn your light on, that's for sure. You go to your closet or wherever it is. You kind of fumble around trying to find your gun, you know, and this is assuming that you haven't put the bullet someplace else. You know, you finally get your gun. Now you're now you're ready. That's probably taking about 30 seconds. Yeah. Now, with Child safe 1, the gun is simply laying right there on your bedstead. You have de-alarmed it with a couple of simple button pushes. So now it's not going to go off. The alarm is not going to go off when you pick it up. You hear the noise, you simply reach over. Uh, you do the, uh, the, the squeeze and the uh, child safe medicine cap idea. Your gun is ready. Literally, and you can see it on the website. Your gun is ready to go within two seconds of the time you pick it up. You don't even have to get out of bed in order to shoot the bad guy.
5: I watched the the video that you have on uh, GlobalGunSafety.com. Disarming the alarm didn't seem that difficult to me, and the mm-hmm. man just seems to to just unscrew that w- with ease, just with a, a couple of uh, fingers. Have, have you tested this on small children to make sure that, that they can't remove this?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, as I said, we, we've tested in over 100 kids then the the uh, you know the target market for this you know the the parents of, of children you know like maybe twelve and under things like that you know and, and it's exactly like you said, Skip. You know, parents start to teach their children. You know, if they're young children, that's a that's a lot to put on. You know, not do something silly with a gun. Yeah, they're kids. But when you get up to be 10, 12 years old, now, now you're more of a responsible, almost a teenager. And so, you know, you feel more comfortable about, about that. The majority of these kids that shoot themselves, they're in their anywhere between two years old and, and eight years old. And one of the uh, things that we have worked on with, uh, with this, uh, and the, the inventor, whose name is Linwood Farr, is the inventor of this. Uh, Linwood used to be the uh, president of General Dynamics Canada. Uh, he's an engineer. So the guy used to build submarines and jet planes. So <laughs> this okay. was kind of a work of love for him. It's the kind of thing that a, that a high-quality engineer would create. And, you know, it's designed so that even if you show a kid, and we've done this too, so here, press here, press here, do this in order to get it off, and they can't. The, the, huh. the tensile strength of that spring is such that the pressure, that the kid can put on it with, with their little fingers and their smaller musculature, it's just not strong enough.
5: That is awesome, because that yeah, it's just so it's all about finger and,
4: and hand strength and, and coordination. Yep, and you've got to know where to push and it is not obvious at all. In fact in fact we have we have little disguise buttons so that you know the kid will say, Oh, I bet I push here. And then he pushes there and it doesn't work and he says, Okay, it must be over on this other side. Uh, that's got all the numbers and, and everything else, which is where a kid normally would think that's where it would be. And we've watched kids. We've had, well dozens of hours of kids playing with this and trying to get it off. Sure.
5: Well, Gary, what about fine motor skills? I mean, you get that adrenaline dump in your bloodstream, someone's up, broken into your house, you get excited. Can you still open that up without your uh, fine motor skills?
4: You know, Skip, that is an excellent question. Here's what we tell people. What you need to do when you get this product, you need to practice with it. It's a, a life-saving product. that saves kids' lives, but it's also going to have to save your family's life. You know, so spend 15 minutes with it, you know, uh, and basically just put it on and off, you know, all this stuff. What happens is that in an emergency, you recognize that that the placement of your fingers on there. Are, are guided by a, um, a palm that is that is sticking out, and then you use that, and then it's 180 degrees around for you to do it. But you know, what, it, what it ultimately comes down to is it comes down to muscle memory, like golf right. or anything else. Uh, but once you know how to do it, you can just pop it off literally in two seconds.
5: Well, I just wondered, uh, do you have it for different models of guns, different sizes? How
4: does that work? No, it's, it's a one size fits all. This is, again, this is the great engineering that goes into this. It will fit, uh, revolvers, semi automatics, rifles, ARs, shotguns, and we have pictures of all of these weapons. Now, the only weapons that it doesn't fit real well are, are the 1911s. Uh, you know, oh. we, we don't have any air behind the trigger. Even then, a gun safety trainer that, that is working with us has figured out how to make this work. Now, one of the really clever things about about ChildSafe One is that there is a movable cam uh, that goes between the trigger uh, and the back of the trigger guard, and you can you can twist it so that basically that cam takes up the entire space uh, in there. So once it's locked down, you can't physically move the entire unit back and make the gun fire.
5: Gary, we're just about out of time, but this sounds uh, too good to be true, so uh, i got to ask you, how much does uh, one of these gizmos cost?
4: The MSRP for it is 149
5: Gary, your That's- website is globalgunsafety.com, globalgunsafety.com. I'm going to check this out. As soon as I get a hold of one of those, I'm going to review it, and I'll test it on my kids, and I'll come back on the air. Uh, next week or the week after, and I'll tell my listeners uh, how how it went, and I'll certainly let you know about it as well. But, Gary, thank you very much for developing this fine safety tool, and thank you for being on the Home Defense Show.
4: Skip, it's a pleasure. Uh, you do a great public service with your shows. Okay,
5: folks, we will be back uh, in a couple of minutes. Don't go anywhere. Come back to the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel.
3: This so. is Phoenix Coriel on the Home Defense Show. Always use guns safely and wisely. Stay tuned. We'll be right
0: back. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com.
4: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio.
6: located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com.
0: 45 years of experience is behind the most trusted name in auto transportation, Passport Transport, the first and finest today. That's why Passport Transport is the preferred auto transport for major auto manufacturers, concours, museums, tours, and collectors, and should be your choice from across the state to across the country. When you have the need, go to PassportTransport.com. And enjoy the peace of mind referenced experience will give you. Passport Transport.
1: Okay, folks, welcome back to the Home Defense Show. This is your host, Skip Corio, But then you already knew that, didn't you? That was a great segment on child safety, child gun safety. But I'm going to move on to something uh, a lot more serious now. I'd like to study gunfighting. Gunfighting is a skill set. It's a very complicated skill set. It's very involved. But the process of drawing a gun, firing a gun, having good marksmanship, it's just a step-by-step process like anything else. It's really no different than making uh, a clay pot or brushing your teeth. All work is a process. It's a step-by-step process that you undertake and and that you do. The thing is, you have to become very, very proficient at it so that you can do it without thinking. I've been studying Colonel John Boyd's OODA loop for a long time. It fascinates me, and I'm convinced that it's one of the keys in successful gunfighting. For those of you who don't know nothing, that's a quote from Escanaba in the Moonlight. By the way, if you haven't watched that show, then hey, get on your fat butt and watch it. Just go out Netflix at Amazon.com, buy it, whatever you got to do. Escanaba into Moonlight is just awesome and incredibly funny. Um, You'll want to live by that uh, movie, I'm sure, with Jeff Daniels. But for those of you who don't know nothing, Oodaloop is an acronym. O O D A. It stands for observe orient, decide, and act. It's a theory on the decision-making process. And it was developed by Colonel John Boyd, an F-86 fighter pilot in the Korean War. John Boyd noticed that the best fighter pilots had more kills primarily because of their very short decision-making process. They would be on the tail of a MiG, If the MiG quickly banked left, the F-86 pilot on its tail would, without even thinking, would just react by immediately cutting to the inside and shooting them down. So he went ahead and he studied it, and then he came up with observe, orient, decide, and act. And basically what that means is, and I'm taking this from Wikipedia, observation, the collection of data by means of the senses, so they see, orientation, the analysis and synthesis of data to form one's current mental perspective. I don't know what the hell that means, but I do know that if you're out on the street and you see someone being attacked or someone jumps up from behind a bush at you, you observe it you see it then you orient to the attack you'll drop your center of gravity Um, you'll put springs in your legs you know you bend your legs so that you can spring that is just a natural tendency that your body has and then the decision process is the determination of a course of action based on one's current mental perspective and then action the physical playing out of decision so you observe orient decide and act and, of course, this process keeps going on and on and on and on and on because you know, we've already established that all self-defense is scenario-based. All scenarios are extremely fluid and dynamic. They change from moment to moment to moment. And so you can go through the OODA loop, decide on a course of action, then all of a sudden the bad guy, instead of attacking, turns and runs away. You have to go through that OODA loop again to decide what to do. Or maybe you decide on a course of action and then he physically attacks you. Then you have to go through that OODA loop again and again, and it could be ending. And the key here is to stay ahead of your adversary's OODA loop. If you can do that, then the bad guy is always reacting to you instead of you reacting to the bad guy. You remember earlier. We had a discussion about oh, Wyatt Earp, and uh, we talked a little bit about Gabe Suarez, and we were talking about being deliberate. You know, we talk. You know, what is more important, speed or accuracy? What I decided in my own mind was that that being deliberate is just as important. You want you certainly want speed. You certainly want accuracy, but if you're deliberate, then basically what you're doing is. You're cutting that decision-making process in half. And there's a real interesting article that uh, Gabe Suarez wrote just today, and I was taking a look at it. I want to go ahead and, and read it to you right now. It's called Skipping the Ooh in OODA. One of the new discussions at Warrior Talk, that's his online forum, involved this incident. How two Wisconsin police officers thwarted an ambush attack. The article is a good read of the dynamics of the event. Basically in a nutshell, a bad guy set up an ambush as a robbery attempt. I have investigated lots of robberies, and this was not a robbery in the classic sense. Again, this is just my opinion. The bad guy is dead and cannot give us his motive. The officers moved to the side east door just as a man dressed in camouflage began to exit, armed with an M4 carbine with an optical sight and suppressor. So that's a Pretty, it's a pretty badass guy. He's got, he's got military hardware. Gosh, just uh, armed uh, to the teeth here. As the armed robber started to raise his slung carbine, fully loaded with a 90-round drum magazine, the officers fired a total of 13 rounds from their sidearms in 2.6 seconds. So that's about six and a half rounds uh, a piece. So they were shooting about three and a half rounds per second landing seven hits on their adversary and more on his weapon. So he had the, he had the M4 out in front of him. So he hit either the, the bad guy or the carbine that, that was in front of him. That reads like a police report, but here's what I think the reality of the event really was. The good guys made up their minds that this was going to be a shooting when they got the call. Now, in my opinion, they're probably never going to admit that. Because of all the protocol, the rules of engagement, and just all the politically correct garbage that's going on right now. And police are just under so much attack. Everything that they do is second-guessed. And I really don't think police are being treated fairly in a lot of cases. Thus, the need to observe and orient was minimized to the point of having already been accomplished, leaving only the presentation of a target and the elimination of Same. In 2.6 seconds, I suspect less than that, there was no, is this my suspect? Could it be someone else dressed like him with a rifle? Should I challenge him? What if it's not him? And so on and so forth. And I doubt there was a great deal of yelling to drop the gun. (laughs) You got that right. I see a guy with with an M4 and he starts to raise it at me. Uh, I'm just going to go into battle mode and do my best to take him down before he kills me. Prior, there was a description, a location, and a description of events that justify shooting. The two O's are taken care of. Now it was simply a matter of visually locating him. That's a good point. They didn't have to observe because people had already told them what was going on. They didn't have to orient because they were already oriented. They were coming in battle ready to take out a bad guy who was armed to the hilt. Teaching someone how to shoot is the same as teaching them to play the piano. It is a technical exercise after all, but the artist has a passion for his art. A guy who knows how to play the piano may or may not identify as a musician. You can tell him he is, and he will think that he is, but the passion of the artist cannot be faked. He has a self-identity that the technical piano player doesn't share. That's true. I guess I'm a passionate gunfighter, even though I've never been in an actual gunfight. I study it passionately Uh, this is Gabe Suarez again I recall contacting lots of presumably armed bad guys in bad areas the moment I saw them I had already completed the decision to kill them where they stood if they gave the correct signal so rather than OODA it was more like D waiting for the A an understanding of things of my rules of engagement and how I could maneuver around them and through them of what was really going to happen during the fight During the post-shooting investigation and afterwards. This wasn't a careless approach, but rather one of knowing situationally where I was in the event and in relation to my adversary. But this is not a quantifiable aspect of things, and it cannot be written into policies. No, definitely not. It would be bad public relations, wouldn't it? You would be attacked to the hilt. You know, the, the extreme loony left knew that you were cutting out the Observe and the Orient. It is more a matter of how a mind processes information and when to justify action. Has that mind received enough information rather than holding out for more? And where one falls in the clarity of information depends on their self-image and an understanding of why they are really there. You know, one thing that also helps you cut out that OO on the OODA loop is what kind of legal representation do you have? That can really free up your mind, So many of my students, they're so wrapped around the axle with, should I shoot? Am I going to get in trouble? You know, they're more afraid of the criminal justice system than they are of the guy who's getting ready to blow their heads off, which is a really weird, wacky way to think to begin with. I can see the application here. I can see where you would want to consider cutting out the Observe Orient in a lot of scenarios for example you walk into your house you hear glass breaking so right now you already have you know a little bit of information that okay something is wrong here you live alone so no one else is supposed to be in the house it's not your kids or anything because you have no kids so you draw your firearm and you go, all right, someone's in my house. There's a bad guy in my house. I, I know that he's here. So in a situation like that, when someone bursts through a doorway and run down the hall towards you with a knife, the decision-making process is already half done. You've already decided that, I think there's a bad guy in my house. And you presume that there, if there's a bad guy in my house, he's there to do me harm. So when he does burst through that door, you just take a split second to draw up your firearm and go ahead and squeeze off four or five rounds into the upper chest area. Now, obviously, if it turns out that it's your your cousin from Florida who's come to visit you and the door is open and he came in and made himself at home, first, he's not going to burst out of a room and run down the hall towards you. But you would have a quarter of a second to see that. So there is a manual override there. So it's not unsafe in that regards. If you see a total stranger coming at you in your house uh, with ill intent, you immediately, you just skip the O, skip the other O, and go right to decide to act and go ahead and act. Uh, So I think Gabe Suarez... He's a hardcore guy. He's not for everyone, but I like to take a lot of what he teaches and implement it in my own personal defense mindset. Okay, we're out of time for this segment, but stay tuned. We will be back for the closing arguments in segment four of the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel.
4: Welcome to my dad's home defense.
2: or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.atlantahealingcenter.com.
0: Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Passport Transport.
4: You're listening to
0: AmericasWebRadio.com,
4: the pioneer and leader in chat radio. Thank you for listening.
1: Okay, welcome back, folks, to Segment 4 of the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel. Been a good show so far, and let's make it a nice, strong finish. I don't say this often enough, so let me tell you now. Anyone with questions or input to the show... You can reach me on Facebook. I've got a Skip Coriel Facebook page. Uh, There's a Second Amendment March Facebook page. There's one for Midwest Tactical Training, my other company. Or you can just email me at skipcoriel at hotmail.com. And my last name is spelled C-O-R-Y-E-L-L, skipcoriel at hotmail.com. That's probably the best way. But just tell me what you want to hear, what you want to study, what you want to learn. If you email me questions about personal defense, family defense, home defense, I'll certainly research them and answer those questions for you. Let's move on here. This segment, I want to talk about a couple of things. Uh, I'll go ahead and I'll answer a question from one of our listeners. Uh, And then after that, I want to talk about the Second Amendment March. Uh, We have an event coming up soon. First, let's get with the listener question. This is from kind of a personal nature, so we'll call him Johnny Cupcake. He wants to talk about his, he says, I was hospitalized for depression. Is that going to be an issue, getting my CCW? Well, first, let's clear up the terminology here. CCW in the state of Michigan, um, that's a crime. It's carrying a concealed weapon without a permit. So we'll call it a CPL, which is a concealed pistol license. It's called different things in different states. I believe Texas calls it a CHL, a concealed handgun license. Um, you know, some states call it CCW. But in Michigan, it's called CPL, concealed pistol license. All right, depression. Well, if you were involuntarily uh, hospitalized, you know, basically a judge said, he looked at you. There was a psychiatric evaluation, and he looked you straight in the hairy eyeball and said, "Sir, you are crazy as a shit house bat." And then he slammed on his gavel, and you went to the mental hospital. Yeah, that's gonna affect uh, your your ability to even possess a firearm. Now, if it was just a temporary thing, um, and, and let's let's be but ugly honest about this whole depression thing. Does anyone go through their life without being depressed at one point in time? The question is, is it clinical depression? Or, you know, because I remember, geez, my my first and second divorce, you know, I was not the regular happy-go-lucky guy that I normally am. I mean, there are good reasons to be depressed. Your wife leaves you for another man or for another woman or whatever. This is a crazy world that that we live in. You know, someone close to you dies. You're supposed to be depressed. In those types of situations, you're not suicidal. And I think that's the intent behind this restriction for concealed pistol licenses is, are are you so depressed that you're going to, that you're a danger to yourself or society. Temporary depression because of a situation, a temporary situation, that certainly doesn't disqualify you from getting a CPL. Being involuntarily uh, committed to a mental institution, yes, that does, and yes, that should. The important thing is that you're not a danger to yourself or to society by virtue of the Depression. Okay, well, I hope I've cleared that up. Now, I would like to talk about the Second Amendment March for the remainder of the segment. Uh, I'm going to go to the website right now, secondamendmentmarch.com. Now, Second Amendment March, that's uh, an organization that I founded back in 2009, and we held a march on Washington, D.C. I'll just read from the website here. By the way, uh, Terry Stock did a great job on the website. She is the current president of Second Amendment March, and she has been with me from the beginning for eight years now. Terry Stock, thank you so much for all that you do. Second Amendment March was founded in 2009 for the purpose of organizing a nationwide pro-Second Amendment rally in Washington, D.C. The original event took place... In 2010, I believe it was April 19th, that was uh, Patriot's Day. Since that event, we have focused on Michigan events working in conjunction with the Michigan's largest gun rights organizations. And that's what we have. Uh, Okay, here's another event here. Join us for the 2017 March. It's a peaceful gathering to demonstrate the political strength of Michigan's legal gun owners and Second Amendment advocates. It is taking place on Wednesday, April 26th. From 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., and it's on the Lansing State Capitol East Lawn. Um, there will be speakers there. Um, I will speak. Obviously, I believe Joel Fulton from Freedom Firearms in Battle Creek. He will be the MC of the event again this year. Uh, he does a great job, and he's funny, which is a, which is a help. We will have Brian Callie, Lieutenant Governor Brian Callie will be speaking as well. Now, I know Brian personally. Uh, to be quite honest with you, I have not seen or talked to Brian since he became Lieutenant Governor. But at one point in time, he was my representative. And uh, it's kind of kind of funny. The, the first time that I met Brian Kelly he was running for state representative for the first time. And... Um, he he called me up. I didn't know him from Adam, and he said, "Hey, uh, you know, I'd like to get your endorsement. Can you can you meet with me?" So we met at this little pizza place in Nashville, which is just this little hole in the wall town out in the middle of, you know, nowhere. So I meet Brian, and he's a banker at the time, and uh, we had some pizza, and he was he was talking, you know, about his platform, what he believed, and. At the time, I was the state director for Ted Nugent United Sportsman uh, of Michigan, and he wanted that Ted Nugent endorsement. And so he get, went through his, his spiel. I listened to it. You know, that uh, congressional district for Michigan consisted of Ionia and Berry County. And I knew that Brian was the only uh, candidate from Ionia, which is the has the larger population of the two counties, and there were eight candidates from Berry County. So I knew that the Berry County vote was going to be split eight ways and that Brian would get all of the all or most of the Ionia County vote. I listened to his platform, and I knew that most of the other eight candidates were good candidates as well, but, you know, my gut told me and common sense told me, well, Brian's going to win. And so I listened to Brian, everything he said was good, and he asked me, he got all done, and he says, you know, do you think you might be willing to uh, endorse me? And I said, yeah, sure, Brian, I I like what you're hearing, I think you're a good, solid candidate, I'll be happy to endorse you on behalf of Tennessee United Sportsmen of Michigan. And the look on his face was like precious, because back then he he wasn't a celebrity, he was just you know, a banker from Ionia. And he said, really, you will? (laughs) And I said, well, yeah, of course I will. Yeah, I like you. You're a good guy. And he says, wow, you're the first person. uh, This is the first organization to endorse me. And so, you know, that's part of my claim to fame is, uh, you know, endorsing the the present lieutenant governor uh, of Michigan. I had a, a similar situation. Down in uh, Kentucky, you know, back in uh, 2010, um, b- right before the national march on Washington, D.C., I spoke at the Kentucky State Capitol, and uh, the other speaker was a-, a guy named Rand Paul, who was not very well known at the time, but he was running for the first time for senator. And he uh, He spoke. And we talked afterwards, and he asked me for uh, the endorsement of Second Amendment March. And I said, yeah, sure, Uh, we'll go ahead and endorse you. So, you know, I've endorsed uh, two big people who actually won and went on to achieve something. So that, that is my claim to fame. All right. But getting back to Second Amendment March, folks, this is a great time. We have a... Uh, a lot of fun doing this. It, it's a yearly thing. We've been doing it ever since uh, 2010 uh, at the Michigan State Capitol. Uh, it's and I'll go there and I'll have a table set up and I'll sell my books. I'll advocate uh, Midwest tactical training um, and White Feather Press, and I'll also speak for 10-15 minutes, you know, on behalf of Second Amendment March as the founder. But I go there, and I'll see the same people every year. And so it's kind of like a bit of a reunion. That's always fun. And, you know, peddle my books. But it's very unique time because you'll go there, and there'll be anywhere from 500 to 1,500 people there, and the vast majority of us are armed, and we're openly armed. You'll see some really sweet guns there. You know, some nice AR-15s, AK-47s. You know, they're, they're slung on their backs or, you know, one-point sling on front. I mean, whatever. And uh, we keep a pretty good eye on it to keep everyone safe. It's just a really nice time. If you've never been involved in an open carry event, this is the best time to go to your first open carry event. Very, very safe. There's always... Uh, you know, maybe half a dozen, you know, state cops there. And, you know, they'll talk to us and uh, we have a good rapport with them. They're there primarily to protect us from the anti gun lunatics than to protect the general public from us. Because, like I said, we've been doing this, um, you know, for seven, eight years now w- without any type of negative incident. So it's, uh, it's a really, really good time. So, again, that is April 26th at the Lansing State Capitol from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You should go there, have a good time, talk to me. Uh, I'll have plenty of time to talk to people that come inside the big tent. That's where I will be. And you'll hear some good speakers. Um, come to hear Lieutenant Governor Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly has some very solid pro Second Amendment views. Uh, And in my uh, opinion, I haven't talked to him in years, but when he was a state rep, he was solid pro-gun. So this is an opportunity for you to go, listen to him, and maybe even talk to him in person. Okay, folks, we are about out of time for the uh, segment four of the Home Defense Show. Again, what I'd like you to do is go on Facebook.com. And look up Skip Coriel, look up Second Amendment March, look up Midwest Tactical Training, White Feather Press, all of those good places where I go and where I live and house myself. Uh, you can email me at skipcoriel at hotmail.com. That's skipcoriel at hotmail.com. If you want to learn more about me, just go to www.skipcoriel.com. Get civilian combat on Amazon. Also, get the God Virus the first in the four-book series. Okay, again, I am out of time, but we will be back next week teaching you and your family how to defend your home and everyone that you love. Welcome to springtime. God bless you. God bless America. I will see you next week on the Home Defense Show with Skip Coriel.
4: You're listening to AmericasWebRadio.com, the pioneer and leader in chat radio.